morning to those who have their hands raised. I am going to, uh, to, to, to wish you happy 1998 anniversary. We're 98 now, so I don't know if you've jumped on yet, if you're a member yet by now, but we had, we had a good-sized church by now and, uh, in 1998. And so let's check out a few of the people who worked for Gospel Light. My brother was the associate pastor at the time. Brent now left here, went to Memphis to pastor a church for five years, and now is a church planter in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, planted a church inside of a casino. How cool is that? And last Sunday had 200 in, in attendance. It's an amazing church, and we've been able to go there and preach there and sing there and have a great time. So uh, we love what he's doing there. So it's great. My mother-in-law was full-time elementary coordinator. She still works in the Christian school. Miss Yoshida, going strong at 82, 81, 82. 81, sorry, 81. Yes, ma'am, 81. She'll be 81 now when she's 82 for that mistake, all right? And, uh, but still, still teaching. Lisa Perryman was in, in the elementary school as well, teaching. And then... Jamie Kane was our school secretary back then. Now she's our church secretary. And then Jolly to John. Look at there. Man, sporting a clear face. That was back, you know, that was back when beards were sinful. Now we've come out of our backslidden ways. And we're, we've got a little facial hair going on these days at Gospel Light. So, oh man, we've come a long way, believe me. Oh, it's not, that sounds crazy to some of you guys. But to those of us that were here back then, we're, we're, we're glad we can have mustaches now. And all that, and goatees and all the rest of it. And bald heads, too. Amen. And uh, there's Butch and Sonia. Look at there, Butch. Where you at? Look at you, man. Cute. And uh, I don't know what happened, man. There's Missy and Damon. And they're married children. Man, we're getting old. Oh, man. And there's Scott and Lisa and Eli many moons ago and children ago. And there is Luke on the right. See little baby-faced Luke Chittum there? Doug Hayes on the left. Uh, you got James Bryant, Nick, uh, Nick Kaufman, just a lot of cute kids there and just an old school picture we had. And there's our, a newspaper article we put out for our sixth anniversary and it just, it's really cool. You know, we listed some of the things we had already had a high day of 1,320 by then in six years, already over a thousand people had attended. Um, and it says that the bottom mayor, Helen C. League proclaimed June 7th, 1998 as Gospelite Baptist Church Day. So just, just here six years and already uh, making, uh, having an impact. Another little thing that I thought you would, you know, maybe some of you would remember and others would like to know. Do you notice how we put at the bottom six years on the corner of 3rd and South? That's how we referred to our church. We never said the address. We always said on the corner of 3rd and South. That was just it. That was that our identity was that old corner in that rough neighborhood, and we loved it. Here is, uh, I think, Joe when he graduated from, from kindergarten. There you are, Joe. Look at that. Cute as can be. And there's Joe and Mo with, with me. There's the, the, my two boys. We had, just, we had a big separation between Joe and Chloe. I mean, uh, Mo and Joe and Joe and Chloe. So that was just the fam for a long time. And then here's my family picture. That's what we looked like in 98. So we're getting up there. Growing old together. And so a happy anniversary, Gospel Light Baptist Church. Well, you're probably looking at your worship God and wondering, dude, we're never getting out of here. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, man, he went too far. He's got too much to say. But you know what that means, right? That means let's get to it. Let's get to work. All right? 
Here we go. Foundation of the family, marriage, parenting, relationships. I'm convinced if we get that right, man, we can get, listen, you get marriage right, you get parenting right, you get your relationships right, and there is so much more that can be done for the kingdom of heaven. No, so much more. Church is healthier. The community is impacted. God is witnessed in the lives of people who are doing these things right because this is, these three things are honestly the best way to witness to this world about a risen Savior. The best way. Through our marriages, through our children, through our relationships with others. So it's just a phenomenal thing. We're talking about the family, the foundation of the family. I get excited about the family. I do. I mean, I, I honestly, it is such a huge thing with me. Uh, I love my family. I, I, uh, I, I live for God, the church, and my family I don't have any other hobbies, none. I just don't do anything else. I don't, I don't golf. I don't play softball. I, I don't, I'm not against it. I don't even, man, I hardly ever play basketball. I mean, these are things I used to enjoy. But I found myself ev- getting all, everything out but the things that I'm consumed with. And that's God, my church, and my family. That's what I live for. I love being with you guys, hanging out with you guys, eating at your houses. You know, just, just being with my family. And, and so that's what this series is all about. I've only got one more Sunday to accomplish what we've accomplished so far regarding marriage and now parenting. And, and I know some of us may feel tempted to tune out, either because we don't have children or we're single or we've already raised our kids or whatever the case may be. But the truth of the matter is, is all of us need to hear these truths. Again, they reply to relationships, period. And there's influence we have in our lives that we're not recognizing and taking advantage of and using. And so I really pray. I know that there are moms and dads that are going to benefit from this greatly. There are others that are, and this is a temptation that I have to avoid in preaching this. I have to avoid this temptation. It's a satanic attack on me every time I preach it. And it's this. What about those who will have regrets? What about those in your audience who, who are, it's a sensitive issue because they're, they're, they're going to hear things that they wish they would have heard, uh, but it's too late now. Well, first of all, we're going to give you some hope. Don't worry about that. I, I, I never end on a sad note and try not to start on a sad note. Nevertheless, there is the reality of mistakes made and opportunities missed. And so please, please listen. Uh, we're going to be sensitive to that, especially towards the end of the message. But I, I want you to know that I can't avo- I've got to avoid that temptation to say nothing because of fear of the regret that others have. The truth is, this needs to be said. The hope of America is our families. I'm telling you right now, the hope of the church is strong families. This is God's word. It must be said. There's just too much said in God's word to ignore it. Most of our verses will come from Proverbs, so no need to turn any particular place. Otherwise, you'd be turning the whole sermon long. So here we go. Engines started. Are you ready? Here comes the, what is it, the yellow flag or the checkered flag? I can't remember. What starts it? The green flag. I'm really a NASCAR fan. Can you tell? Number one, training your children is commanded by God. It's commanded by God. You say, man, that's simple. Well, simple, but something that's completely ignored at times. And I want to address it from the outset. Let's look at our first verse. Here it is. Proverbs 19, 18. Let's just start off with the first three words. Chasten thy son. Maybe another way of saying it. And I'll refer... Even though I've got King James on the screen, there are some ESV. Uh, I, I really enjoy some of the word, words that are used in the newer translation because the word in the ESV is discipline your son. And it has the, it's the meaning of, hey, listen, get it done now. It's almost like discipline your son, exclamation point, right now. Get it done. Don't waste any time. This 
is the time to listen. Uh, and by the way, those of you that are thinking, oh, I'm so glad it said son, so I don't have to worry about my daughter. You know, No, it's son, daughter, it's children. Discipline your children. And then I want you to notice the next three words. While there is hope. While there's hope. The idea here is that there will come a time when there is no hope. Now, wait a minute. There, 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 is, there is God's word. I think there's, there's a teaching in God's word that we always know. There is never a time where there is absolutely no hope. I understand that. But there is a lesson here that's being taught that says there is a time in a child's life when, when it's called prime time. It's the best time. There's a season when you can train your children and there's a season when that opportunity is lost. And we still have that opportunity. Next, next, uh, hurry up there, Luke. There's a season when that's lost. In other words, right now, you have an opportunity, if you have children, to train your kids and don't miss it because it goes by so quickly, you may lose it. So do it while there is hope. Proverbs nineteen eighteen again says, Chasing thy son while there is hope, and let not thy soul spare for his crying. The ESV says it like this, Do not set your heart on putting him to death. Wow! How serious is this? In other words, God is teaching here that failure to obey the command to discipline is participating in the downfall and destruction of your own child. That's scary. So there's always hope. Yes, but there's a prime time. And that prime time is so important. And if you choose to miss this opportunity, then you are digging a grave for your children. Man, this is serious, isn't it? No wonder there needs to be messages preached on this from time to time. Proverbs 23 and verse 13 says this. Withhold not correction from the child. For if thou beatest him with a rod, he shall not die. Now everybody gets nervous and wondering, preacher, these are verses you can't quote in 2017. These should be taken out of God's word because government says, listen... I'm going to preach the word of God and I'm going to teach it and explain it. And I'm not going to be arrogant about it because you need to know. The rod there is both symbolic and literal. Listen, there is an instrument that all of us associate with that we should be using to put some fear in our children. You may call it a spoon. You might call it a paddle. Some might call it a switch or any other form of training. But it's also symbolic, symbolic of all parental authority. There is something that should strike fear in the hearts of our children. And so God puts it here with an emphasis on helping overly compassionate parents who are constantly saying, my little Johnny would never do that. Who are constantly protecting their children from this. Who are constantly dismissing correction and discipline in their homes because of their cute little Susie. Now there are limits. And we know that. I think it goes without saying that there are limits. Proverbs 23 verse 14 says this. In the very next verse that you'll beat him with a rod and deliver his soul from hell. Think about that. In other words, I believe this teaches that training your children 
is a spiritual protection that will last for all eternity. How long is hell? Forever. If we will discipline our children, we'll spare our kids an eternity of potentially hell. So the stakes are high. They're high. This is not something we should just take lightly. So number two, training your children obviously must be age appropriate. And I think in, in our society especially, this needs to be something that is brought to surface. If someone were to come to me and say, are you saying, preacher, that I should spank my 16-year-old son? I'm probably saying you should not. Spanking is age appropriate. And I think there's some things we can learn from Scripture about that. And again, all of this is, there's there's room for discernment and and, and personal preference amongst families. But let's get into this. Proverbs 29 and verse 19 says this. A servant will not be corrected by words. Talk, 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 talk. Time out parenting. Well, I believe in the time out. We give about 15 a day. You give more than the NBA. (laughs) We're just time out people. That's kind of how we operate. But the problem at the end of the day is with a child is often a problem of the will. It's tough to break their will, and sometimes a timeout just won't do that. Talk and timeouts might get to the mind, but often they do not get to the will. Kids can be stubborn, can't they? So what does James Dobson say? Well, James Dobson, who I have great respect for, and most everybody probably should know that name in some way or another, a great... Uh, uh, teacher and speaker and counselor of families and parenting. And he says this, when you encounter your child's will, win and win decisively. Win and win decisively. Children need to be taught to live under their parents' authority. Because that's how they learn how to live under God's authority. If they never learn to live under your authority, they will never learn to live under God's authority. And so along these lines, we must learn this truth that pain is a powerful teacher. God has woven into the fabric of every sinful action pain. Pain. Doing right leads to blessing. Doing wrong leads to pain. And oftentimes doing right leads to blessing immediately. And doing wrong leads to pain immediately. So so let's take some time just to define parental training, especially this age-appropriate training that we're discussing here in this introduction of the message. And that is this, and it's in your notes, and it's important that you kind of get used to this definition because you'll want to go back to it and use it to help motivate and inspire you. It is the artificial application and amplification of the consequences of wrong choices before the actions are big enough to scar their lives. Think about it. Look at that again. The artificial amplification, or rather application and amplification, of the consequences of wrong choices before the actions are big enough to scar their lives. So, why does Billy get a spanking for not picking up his building blocks? What's the big deal? Kids leave their building blocks on the floor. It's no big deal. I'm not going to make... I'll just clean them up every time. It's no big deal. But you see, what we don't understand is when we let something little 
go undone that's been, that, that they've been instructed to do, then that will lead to something big later on. And so a wise parent understands that there must be consequences for the wrong decisions while they're young, while the consequences are little bitty, because there's coming a day when the consequences are not going to be so little. They're going to get bigger. A child steals a pack of gum from the store when he's five years old. Ah, it's okay. Every kid steals something. Let's let it, it's no big deal. No, don't do that. Put it back, Johnny. No big deal. And what we don't understand is that that active disobedience that is small now, if it's not, if there's not consequences now, there will be greater consequences later. A wise parent understands this. This is parenting. We ask our child to go clean his room and he lashes out in a fit and says, no, I'm not going to clean my room. Well, that's okay. It's okay. Uh, I know you're busy and I know you've got a lot going on. I'll take care of that for you. (laughs) What happens when he lashes out to a police officer? What happens when he lashes out to a high school principal? Billy, did you do your homework? Yes, Dad, I sure did. Let me see it. Um, That's a lie. Yeah, but I mean, hey, you know, every kid lies. You see, this definition will help us understand something about raising children. You see, I want my kids to learn when the stakes are small so they don't have to learn when the stakes are big and end up scarring them for life. So training your children must be age appropriate. So let's talk about four tools that are in the hand of every parent. Four tools, and these are age appropriate tools. Number one, the rod. The rod, the spanking of children. That's what the definition of the rod is. It's spanking our children. Only for rebellion, never for mistakes. Amen. That's right. Never for immaturity. Never, ever for immaturity. Be very careful to use discernment. When it comes to that, only, 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 only for deliberate disobedience, lying, refusing to obey, disobeying. We ask the question, well, how do you spank? How do you spank? Here's the question, the big $10 million question. How do you spank? Ready? Never spank in anger. Never. Everybody go with that? Never. Very important. Want to teach the whole counsel of God here. We should never provoke our kids to anger. We should never spank in anger. I'm just talking for a minute about potentially how, you know, how this would work. If, if my kids are two to five years old, I'm sp- probably going to spank a lot. <laughs> it's going to be often. Amen. I've had five two to five-year-olds. There's a whole lot of spanking going on. <laughs> But then they get to be 6 to 10, and it, I would say maybe it gets more sparingly. Not as often. Maybe every now and then. At age 11, maybe it stops, or maybe it stops sometime shortly after that. Again, there's discernment there. But that's the first tool you have in your hand. It's a tool in God's Word. It's very important. It's age-appropriate, but it's something that God tells us to use. And it's important. It works. It's amazing. And then number two, there's something called reproof. This is a tool in your hand. It's called reproof. It is... Are we okay, Luke? You awake? Okay. It is a strong rebuke. 
Man, my dad was good at this. Raise the voice, deep tone, intense. Look you in the face. Anybody remember? got memories of this? Memories, anybody? I, I wish every hand would go up. That would be a good thing, honestly. If you had a dad like this, you're a lucky man, lucky woman. Intense, strong, deep voice, fear-producing. That's a reproof. It's important. Then thirdly, the third tool you have in your hand as they get older, it's called the removal of freedom. Because you see, as they get older, they start to get some freedom if they handle it well. Am I right? I began to give my kids freedom even as early as 10 years of age. But if you pamper the kid from 1 to 10, you've got hell to pay from 11 to 18. Do not pamper your kids. Don't do that. You see, this is so important. And then there's responsibility. I think this is one that we must begin to use uh, maybe early on, but especially when they become 15, 16, 17. Yesterday, we went, uh, we took Zoe and Chloe last night to Kilwins to turn in their job applications. They've both been hired by Kilwins Ice Cream Shop. Man, I'm happy about that. You know what that means for parents, right? Free ice cream! And so they went in, they got their jobs, and they got a little training last night. They go in this week for training, and, and guess what? It's time for our kids, and Joe's had a job before, and I like it when they got money, because they don't ask me as much. It's called responsibility. Get to work, work hard, be on time. The weight of responsibility is going to teach them and train them and give wisdom to a child. Proverbs 28, 23. Listen to this warning. Listen to this. He that rebuketh a man afterwards, he's going to find there's more favor than that than flattering with your tongue. Parents, be careful about having too much confirmation and not enough discipline. If all you do is flatter your children with your tongue, and I'm for confirmation, I'm for encouragement. If anything, I'm heavy on that. I believe that. But, but oftentimes we must understand that, that, that a rebuke oftentimes produces more training and results than, than flattering with our tongues. So be careful about that. Number three, training your children is critically important. It's critically important. Let me, let me say it like this. I don't know of anything that brings more joy in the life of a believer than getting this right. I don't know of anything. Nothing in the whole world that brings more joy. I know I'm speaking for myself. I mean, I cannot tell you, and I know, you know, I'll be funny for just a moment. Tongue in cheek, fingers crossed. I know it's not over yet. I've got, you know, I've got a 26-year-old that's married. I've got a 24-year-old that's dating. I've got three children still in my home. I've got, I've got a long way to go before the end of the story is told. But I can tell you right now, you're looking at one happy camper that all my kids are in church today. I'm so glad that, 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 this, that this is amazing. I mean, it, it takes a lot of work. I've given up all my hobbies. I pour my life into my family and my kids. There's been hour-long conversations, multiple times, two, three, four hours. There's a lot of time, a lot of mistakes, a lot of things that I've gone. But I can tell you, whew, oh, man, I'm so glad at this moment I'm stress-free. I'm so thankful that I got on my face in my office and just said, thank you, God, that, and I know this is, can't be said of everyone, but I, I'm thankful that I can have the joy this morning of preaching this message with, with some enthusiasm because it works. 
And up to this point, I know it could all end tomorrow. I know these knuckleheads could do something really stupid. But I can tell you so far, there's nothing that has brought more joy to my life. Greater joy has no man than this, than a man laid down his life for his friend. But what does 3 John chapter 5 verse say? I have no greater joy than my children walk in truth. None. But can I say the opposite of that? After being a pastor for 25 years, I don't know of anything that brings more heartache to a family than than when this is not done right. Heartache. So train your children. It's important because every child is born with a sinful bent. Every child needs training on how to live. Every child, your children were not born for greatness. I mean, we think, you know, yeah, I'll tell you what, my, or, 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 or born great, I should say. They were born for greatness, but not born great. You know, some people just say, well, you know, he was just destined to be great. No, he's a sinner. And every kid, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. You know that. Our kids weren't born great. They got to be trained to be great. It takes a ton of work. What does Proverbs 22 verse 15 says? Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from him. Foolishness. All five of my kids were born a bunch of foolish kids. Deceivers, liars. You say, man, that's hard. They were. You want me to lie to you about it? Man, they, they started disobeying right away. We're like, man. I mean, I can't tell you how many times my wife and I would say, Good night. Look at that sin nature. It's like on a scale of one to ten, it's like a 15. Look at that temper tantrum. Look at that. It's insane. You know? Foolishness. So what do we do? We, we discipline our children to drive a wedge between foolishness and good. That's what that word drive means there. The word drive there is the idea of totally separating what's foolish from what's good. That's what discipline does. Discipline makes it clear. That's wrong. That leads to a path of destruction. That'll get you spanking every time. That'll get you every time. I'm doing this because I love you because this leads to terrible things. But son, daughter, this leads to good things. So my correction, my discipline is going to make it really clear as to what the difference is between foolishness and good. Got to drive it. Got to make it clear. Proverbs 13, 24. He that spared his rod hates his son. Ooh. Did God just say that? Did he just say that if you don't discipline your kid, you hate him? Yes, he did. And you do. And if you take that too hard, I'm sorry. I didn't say it. I'm just telling you what God said. So why do parents hate their children? Why do they do it? Why does a parent hate their kid? Because they're selfish. They decide, I'm not going to take the time to discipline my children, to train my children because I want to do something else. I want to go shopping. I want to get rich. I want to hang out with my friends. I want to golf. I want to make money. I want to do all these things. And my kids, you say, well, I don't know. That's not what, no, no, no. He that spareth his rod. He that does not use the parental authority that God has given him with his children hates his son. Do you know what love is? Love is placing the needs of others before yourself. That's love. In fact, in the ESV, it says this. 
he that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him is diligent to discipline him. I like that. Diligent. You know what that word diligent means? This dad, this mom, hey, they are giving it all they've got. They're like in it to win it. I mean, they, 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 they sacrifice time with others. They say no to extra money sometimes. They say no to opportunity. They say no. There is a video, if you've never watched the Stepping Up. Anybody ever watched the Stepping Up series with me, guys? Raise your hand if you've ever watched the Stepping Up series. Anybody? Come on, Jim, get your hand up. Yeah, thank you. Some late bloomers there. Stepping Up. There is a, there's a video, Chet, you remember it, where the dude chooses to go to the NCAA tournament over staying with his son to help him build a go-kart. It's the most incredible video. It, it brings tears to the eye when, it, when you see that son watch his dad drive out of the driveway to choose a basketball game with his buddy over building a go-kart with his son. If we're thinking straight, it's a whole lot more enjoyable to stay in that garage and teach and train our kid how to use his hands skillfully. Think about it. You say, preacher, you're passionate about this. Hey, I didn't say it. God said it. Be diligent. Work hard at it. Give everything you've got right now. Number four, training your children is more art than science. It's more art than science. Let me explain this. Because I grew up in an environment where it was all about, you know, uh, perfection and cookie cutter. By the way, just in case, you know, I call this cookie cutter parenting. Kids aren't cookies. Okay? They're all different. It's an art. You've got to get creative. And you've got to be humble because your kids are going to really embarrass you sometimes. They're going to blow it. They're, you're going to try to do everything right. Your kids are still going to do wrong sometimes. And you're going to have to be humble about it and admit you're not the perfect parent. But I grew up in a church where it was all about having perfect kids and militaristic and step one, step two. Look at them. They all line up, eat their cereal the same, pour them too much milk, put less milk than that. Don't waste your milk. Everybody's wearing ties, everybody's wearing suits and coats, and every kid looks the same, and we all come in, and we sit together, and we sit in a straight line, and stand, sit, everything. And I'm exaggerating to make a point. I was trained by a man who wrote four books on child-rearing, and none of his kids are serving God today. Not one of his five are serving God. You see, sometimes, I think, by, by the way, let me say this, that kind of parenting has the appearance of wisdom, but I think it's really stupid. Because you can't put your kids in a box. They're all different. If you don't believe me, just ask me about Joe. <laughs> I mean, jo Joe's freaked me out so many times. I mean, I'll never forget the first time he walked in the house with red pants. I mean, you got to realize, this, this is the kid that was growing up. I was taught, when I, I bought a pair of sandals one time, I got a spanking. You ain't wearing no sandals, boy, in our house. My dad, hey, he, to this day, I, I'm 51. Dad says, you don't have a sandals, do you? To this day. I had bought a pair of sandals in 51 years. I'm not going to do it. Afraid what he might do. My kid walks in with a pair of red pants. And my, my wife had to remind me before I blew up, sweetheart, it's a color. It's a color. <laughs> Jim's got a red sweater on. <laughs> Sorry, nothing personal. I like red sweaters, just not red pants. No. And, uh, and, and, and he walked in. And, and some of the things, the haircuts he's had. How many of y'all remember when he grew his hair long? Oh, man, I bit my tongue for months. 
I'm like, Lord, have mercy. I'm going to get 17 emails. You know, Pat Rabbeister. You know why we never, I never got one email? Because everybody sees Jesus in him, and it's hard to argue with Jesus. Even though I had a preference, and yeah, if somebody were to corner me, I might say, yeah, I'd rather it be short. Sure, we all have preferences. I don't like red pants as much as I like blue pants. I don't know why. It's just me, you know? It's stupid, isn't it? It's stupid. Not the preference isn't stupid, but the attitude that says, for some reason, what's on the outside is more important than what's on the inside. Every kid is different, you know? And now, here's how I feel about it. If I could have long hair, I'd be a hippie. <laughs> Serious, man. I, I mean, I, I, I'm jealous of these folks that can have the long, flowy hair, you know? The whole time I was at your house, Jeff, the other night, I was thinking, man, I love his hair. <laughs> I love it. Man, I'm telling you, here's what I'm saying. I got off track a little bit there, but I want to say this. We need God to work in the hearts of our kids more than we need to make them be like us. We need God to work in their hearts. So when I say art, I mean train them with creativity. Be open be slow to speak sometimes because you might say something really stupid that doesn't matter and provokes them to rebel when it's really not a big deal. You know, it's fun. <clears throat> Funny, you, you see the heart of your kids, you know. And, and I use Joe as an example in this area because he's been kind of that creative kid in this way. But you see his heart too, like the other day. This is not, this is a, let me tell you why I'm going to tell the story because I'm Italian, okay? And, and, and because I have a disabled child and because she wears a diaper, Okay, so unless you have a kid that wears a diaper, you don't know if you wouldn't tell this story. Anyway, she, she, I'm saying it because some are going to go, oh, I can't believe you said that. But anyway, so Glorianne pooped her pants the other day, right? And so she's got this, we didn't know it until, but she, she sat down and some of it came out. So anyway, Carol Ann sees it. She, finally, we see a little oozing. So she gets it. She goes, she changes her diaper and life's better, right? About two hours later, Joe and I are on the couch talking. We're like talking, having a good time. What's up? You know, he's telling me about Tiffany. We're talking, just having small talk about this, that, and the other. All good stuff, you know. And all of a sudden, Joe says, Dad, watch that. And there was a hunk of poop on the couch. A chunk. Like a chunk right there. I mean, like, I'm glad you didn't sit in it. Really, you were sitting on the edge. If he'd have just slid down, it'd have been like, poof. I mean, it'd have been scary. So he says, what is that, Dad? I go, Son, I believe that's poo-poo. Well, here's what Mo would have done. Joe would have said, I ain't touching that. I mean, Zoe would have said, I ain't touching that. Joe goes, oh, man, Dad, I got that. He goes over, gets, you know, wipes. He comes and cleans the poop up. Probably gets a little bit on his finger. He don't give a rip. You see, every kid is different. That's what I'm trying to say. And sometimes what we need to do is realize that it's not so much whether they wear red pants or have hair over their ears. It's more that they're willing to clean up poop off a couch. <laughs> and that's not in your notes. <laughs> so there's two words needed for training our children. Word number one, instructive. We need to give instruction. I want you to make a note of these three words just in your mind or on your, in your notes. I didn't put all these. I had too many notes anyway. The first word is instruction. And dads, you've got to be big on this. This is, I think, if we're putting a percentage to things, I'm, th- I'm thinking instruction belongs more to the father. 
This is the correction that results in education. Dad, step up, man. Can I tell you how many times my wife has says, you come home and take care of this. That's good. That's a mom holding me responsible and accountable to my job. You get home. I'm not taking it. You take care of this. You correct the children. They need to know. Number two is the word teaching. Now, I think this would be more attached to the mother. Because I think teaching is the day-to-day laying down the way of the Lord before the children. And Carol Ann, that's, that's kind of what she does. That's kind of her role. And that's day by day, she's able to, she spends more time with the kids. She does more. She's a stay-at-home mom. So, well, sort of. She, lately, she's been doing a little work for the college. But she likes it better when she can just be at home all the time. And that'll be short-lived. Right, honey? Yeah. I had to say short-lived, though. She's going to say, what did you... <laughs> don't you give me good ideas. She loves to be at home and, and to teach the Bible and raise her kids and raise me. And then thirdly, the word commandment. These are the rules of the home. The word commandment is often found in the book of Proverbs. Instruction and then teaching and commandments. These are the rules of your home. In other words, this, you know, when my kids say, well... The Sims don't they, don't, they don't have this rule. We're not the Sims. And same thing for the Sims. Well, the Capaci, we're not the Capaci. This is our rules. These are our commandments for our home. That's good. So let me give you a few verses on the screen. Just keep up with them, okay? Keep up with me there, Luke. I'm just going to read through them real quickly. Let's start with Proverbs 1, 8 and 9. Notice these words. Hear, my son, your father's instruction. Your father's instruction. And forsake not your mother's teaching. For they are graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my, here's that word, commandments with you. Making your ear attentive to wisdom. Inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. If you seek it as silver and search for it as for hidden treasures. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. My son, do not forget my teaching. Let not your heart keep my, uh, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace will they add to you. All of this is instruction. Now let's talk about the word corrective, instructive, corrective, correction. This is a big part of training. This is a big part of raising our children. We instruct them and then we correct them. You can't leave. Listen, if you instruct your kids, sometimes they're going to go against your instruction. And so it does include correction. So let's put a verse on the screen. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 15. The rod and reproof give wisdom or instruction. But a child left to himself brings his mother to shame. So let's talk about four steps in correction. Here's how you do it. Number one, you restate the law. Make sure you, when there's time for correction that they know this is what you said. Number two, you prove the violation. Make sure you know what you're talking about. I'm not much of a parent that likes this. Well, okay, I got it wrong, and I spanked you 14 times. You probably missed one that I didn't catch you on. That doesn't do good for kids. For some reason, that doesn't go for good. They'd rather just get caught, and, and you know, if they get away with something, okay. But I don't know that that's the kind of parenting I, I want to be a part of, getting it wrong, and then blaming it on the time I, I didn't catch them. This doesn't seem like there's wisdom in that. So prove the violation. Then give the correction. Talk about the Bible. Talk about life. Give your thoughts. Give your commandments. Give the correction. That's when you teach. And then finally, give the consequences. Because a parent who steps in to protect their child from the consequences of wrong choices is 
foolish. That parent is foolish. This is the parent that always steps in to defend the child. Teachers, if you've taught, you know who this is. It's the same parent every time. You could have a class of 20. And 19 parents never correct you, but the one parent corrects you every time. You say, sit up. And they're like, my kid would never slouch in his chair. My God, I wish they could just be here. But if they were there, they would still complain. Because that's all they do. They just, their kid is never wrong. This parent is foolish. If it's you, you're foolish. Do not protect your child from the consequences of the choices they're making. Don't do that. You say, well, prove it. Well, God doesn't do it. God doesn't do that. God says, whatever you sow, you reap. So if God doesn't do it, we shouldn't do it. Help them learn from their consequences. Let them suffer the consequences and learn from the consequences. That's God's plan. All right, last. Training your children is family protection. Did you know this, that children can destroy marriages? Children can devastate their parents? They can This sermon is also about family protection. Let me give you a few verses on family protection. Notice this, Proverbs chapter 10 and verse number 1. It says, a wise son. And by the way, let's just stop there for just five seconds and say this. That doesn't happen by accident. A wise son means he's been trained well. A wise son makes a glad father. But a foolish son is heaviness to his mother. That's a painful verse. Proverbs 17, verse 25. A foolish son is a grief to his father and bitterness to her that bear him. That's a painful verse. Proverbs 19, 13. A foolish son is the calamity. King James translation, ESV says, and I like it just a little better for today, and that is, A foolish son is the ruin of his father. Word has the tendency to mean bankruptcy. Just the ruin of him. I mean, just it's just destroying the family financially because there's just so much pain and suffering because of his decisions. But then 3 John chapter 4, remember, says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. But if that be true, the opposite is true. I have no greater pain than when my children do not walk in truth. So this is a sermon about family protection. We do this well. And it brings joy. Let me give you four things parents do instead of training their children. First of all, instead of training their children, some parents abdicate. They abdicate. What do I mean by that? That means they're not on the job. They're doing something else. They're absent. I mean, they're golfing. They're they're working. They're overtime. They're not there. They're just not home. They're going to the ball games while the kids are being raised by the neighbors and babysitters. They're just not there. And sometimes parents just choose to abdicate. Other times, parents, instead of training, choose to delegate. Well, preacher, that's why we got the Christian school. I'll tell you what, we're, we're hoping your son Mo gets it done. We had these kids for him to raise. Well, you got a youth pastor for what you get paid anyway. Well, if he's, we need to pay him a lot more if he's going to raise every kid. Well, pastor, that's why we ought to have a kids program. That's why I send my kids to Iwana. And You see, that's a supplement. You're the main dish. 
all those things are supplements. That's all they are. They're little supplements. It's like a little vitamin. Okay, take this little vitamin. But the main course, the steak, the ribeye, is mom and dad. Mom and dad. So be very careful not to delegate your responsibilities. That, my friend, is a bad plan. Number two, some parents, instead of raising their children, training their children, they relegate. They just relegate. In other words, they just wait until another time period. We'll just relegate this. We'll just, uh, you know, hey, they're just seven or eight, preacher. Come on, man. They're just little kids. We got all kinds of time. We'll, we'll, we'll start doing this when they're, you know, 15, 16, 17. Hmm. My advice is to pour to them as much as possible as soon as possible. As soon as possible. Now, let me say a word right here, if I could, for our Christian school. I don't usually do this, and it's not God's will for every family. And so, if you've been in our church for, you know, probably the last five years, you've heard me mention the Christian school, as far as in any kind of a teaching, two or three times. Because I don't believe it's God's will for everybody, but I will tell you this. For me, it's been a conviction. And my kids have been in this Christian school, and I thank God that every day, God's word, God's ways, and God's wisdom are poured into the life of my children. I'm thankful for that. I love our Christian school. I love the fact that we support it. Our church supports it. Our elders support it. I'm thankful today that we've got, that, that we understand the value in, in training our kids uh, with Bible classes. I'm glad my kids, if they were to say something that happened at home, a teacher wouldn't say, man, your parents are strict. They're stupid. That's ridiculous. You got to live like that? Wow. I'm glad I've got teachers that support the parental training and what parents are deciding. I just want to throw a good word in. And I don't normally do that, but thank God for what our Christian school is doing for our families in our church as a supplement. And then some parents, instead of training, they mitigate. Well, I've got mitigating circumstances, Pastor. You know, we've got financial troubles. We're taking the Dave Ramsey class, so we decided, he said to get four jobs. So we're going to put our kids to the side and get four jobs. I don't think that's what Dave means, but if he does mean that, he's wrong. Okay, how much debt you're in. If you've got financial struggles, I understand. You need to get out of debt. I need to get out of debt. We all need to do better. But let me tell you something. Don't bankrupt your children of parent of their training. Get an extra job and make sure it doesn't keep you so far away from them that you can't train them. That's all I'm saying. And I think that's what he means. Listen, my wife was sick for a long time. That was not an excuse to let our kids do their own thing. I don't care if she was on her deathbed. I still had a responsibility. I would have people say, let me take your kids. And I would say, and she knows this. I would say, I just don't want that to happen. Honey, I'll stay with you till 11 or 12, but I'm going to go home with the kids. I don't feel like we should spend. Because she was in the hospital for 29 days. I said, I'm just not going to let our kids spend the night 29 days at somebody else's house. I mean, this, you say, well, that's kind of hard. No, no, I, this, is, this message is on parenting, so I need, to, I need to stress these things. Don't mitigate your responsibility. In other words, don't let anything take a higher priority. So in closing, let me say a word to the children, and I'm done. And we're on time. Hey, uh, if you are 10 or under, come on up here. 10 or under. Come on, register the platform. Hey, all right, got one there. Anybody else? Hey, good, come on up here, guys. Anybody else 10 and under? I got two? All right, come on up here, guys. Right in front of the pulpit. Ready? All right. Okay. Keith and Joe, y'all ready? All right, I'm going to preach to you for a little bit, but we're going to use the screen. You ready? 
I want everybody to listen. I want you to listen. I want you to know, when you obey, you make it easier on your parents. And they need that. Because they love you. They work hard. And they want you guys to turn out right. So they're going to sometimes, they're going to discipline you or they're going to tell you to do something and, and you're going to want to do something else. But that's hard on your parents. And I want, you to, I want you to make it easier on them. So let me show you some verses. You ready? Look at the screen. Proverbs 13, 1. A wise son hears his father's instruction, but a scorner heareth not rebuke. So a wise son hears dad. A wise son hears dad and says, yes, sir. Yes, sir. You see? And so when you do that, that's wise. All right, next verse. Look at this. Look at this. This is really good. Proverbs 23. The father of the righteous. Okay? So Greg and Jim, right? Your dad's Greg. Your dad's Jim, right? So your dad, he's saved. He loves you. He's going to greatly rejoice. And he that, and that word begetteth is a long word. Maybe a better word would be he that fathers. He that fathers a wise child shall have joy of him. I promise you this. Your dad, if you obey, and your mom, if you obey, are going to be better. They're going to feel better. They're going to have joy. They're going to buy you more ice cream. (laughs) Then, thy father and thy mother shall be glad, and she that bear thee, Debbie and Kara, okay, she that bear thee shall rejoice. They're going to smile more. They're going to have less burdens because their kids are doing the right thing. You're obeying. That's awesome. And then, let me give you the best one. This is really cool. You ready? Don't miss this. This is so, so cool. There's a lot of commandments in the Bible, but there's only one like this. Children, bring... No, verse, Ephesians 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Okay, got it? Okay, next. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with... Read, what's that word? Promise. promise. Ready for the promise? Boom. You get to live a long time. Like a long time. There's no other verse in the Bible that says you can live longer if you do this. Pretty good, huh? So here's my statement. There you go, Luke. I'm ready for it. Children, bring joy to your parents by being teachable. So be teachable, okay? Don't be stubborn. Be teachable. Even if you don't understand it. Even if you don't get it. They've lived longer. They've been where you haven't been. Trust them. And one day you'll make decisions on your own. But if you're teachable, I promise you, you'll bring joy to your parents and you'll be better off. Sound good? How about a high five? Fist pump? Love you. Adios. All right. Now, a word to parents with prodigals. In a room this size, there's got to be some heartache. There's got to be. There's just too many people in here for there not to be, man, it just didn't work out like we planned We've got a a son or a daughter that's just not in church, not living for God, or not even really talking to us right now. And so, parents, I know that this verse is something that is uh, seems to be not as relevant. And it's Proverbs chapter twenty-two and verse six: "Train up a child in the way." And 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 so, what what happens is is um, if our children aren't in the way, then it's tough to train them um, if they're out of the way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And if they're not believing that right now, if they're not in the way serving the Lord, maybe in church or whatever, it's, it's discouraging. So I want to give you guys some thoughts. First of all, if your kids aren't in the way, I have a question. Are you in the way? 
That's my first question. Because if your kids wanted to come back to church, they would need to see you here. So, so number one, live and love Jesus with all of your heart. If you have a prodigal right now, if you have a kid that's not living for God, I have a question for you. Are you living and loving Jesus with all of your heart? Because if you are, at least they can see that. At least they know. They know what's right. You train them to do what's right. Maybe you didn't train them as much as you should have, whatever the situation is. But they know mom and dad are still loving and living for God. They're still there. And they'll know that. They'll know if they come back where to find you. Number two, model for them a life devoted to God. Put God first. Keep him first. Read your Bible and follow Jesus and love Jesus. And, and, and that's, that's a great gift. That's something you can do if you have a child that's away from God. Number three, always be welcoming and loving to them. When they come over, don't judge them. Don't criticize them. It's not time for that. What they need is love. What they need is to know is that your arms are open when they're ready to come back. And welcome them back. Follow the example of the father and the story of the prodigal son who had his arms wide open and says, I'm so glad you're home. Kill the fatted calf. Let's, let's have a party. My son is home. Welcome them. Love them. Number four, appeal to them gently and with humility to come back to the Lord or to give their hearts to the Lord gently. It's not time for you to raise your voice and get all ugly and we didn't raise you like this. And that's not going to work right now. What they need is... They need you to be humble. They need you to be gentle. That's what they need. And so if you have a prodigal, be, be very careful in those conversations. Tell them you love them all the time. They need to hear it. And then number five, pray and wait on God. Don't give up. Just keep on praying till the light breaks through. The Lord will answer. He'll answer you. God keeps his promise. His words are true. Just keep on praying till the light breaks through. They're coming back. They're coming back. You know what? I believe with all of my heart there's many parents and grandparents in heaven today still praying. Still praying. Praying for that prodigal. And so today, I don't know where you're at in this process. I know I just found out that Dan, Danielle got his pregnancy, just announced it. Isn't that great? So she's going to be having a child. There's others in our church that are expecting children. And this is exciting, isn't it? It's like, oh man, I'm so glad I got this right now. Others, maybe it's like we've got to do some catching up. Maybe there's some things that we've got to implement because it's, it's, we're losing time. For others, we've got teenagers and, you know, we, we've, we've got to reevaluate some things and make sure we're prioritizing things right. And then for others, maybe, maybe it's too late for the prime time. That's over. I'll never have that again like that, but... I can apply these last five things. I can live for God. I can pray. I can wait. I can love them gently and humbly. And I don't know where you're at, but all of us today have a place in this sermon. We can all find a spot. You know, I just preached uh, in Jefferson, Georgia this week. A lady walked in. She had 20 kids with her, teenagers. I'm like, wow. Wow. Is that like a like a bus driver or what, what what's that all about? He goes, I don't know. That's a lady in our church who's adopted 20 foster kids. And she brings them to church every Sunday. She bought a bus. 
and she got a CDL, and she, they never missed. They were at the Teen Rev rally on Friday night. How cool is that? Here's, here's a family that decided, we're, we're going to raise some kids that others decided they didn't love. Isn't that great? We got some families in our church that are doing that and have done that. God bless you. And guess what? If you're not, if that's not God's calling in your life, then maybe what you could do is, I know that Johan Vadonage, anybody know Johan? Lydia's husband? He works in C4C. Can I tell you something? Johan asked me to ask you. He said, preacher, we've got some kids that are 12 and 13 and 14 and 15. Sweetheart, how old are you? 13. Can you come up for just a second? What's your name? Janasia? Soft hug. Janasia, you ride one of our buses, right? Whose bus does she ride? Michaela's. Cool. Michaela's great, isn't she? Sister Michaela. And so she sits with our family on the front row. I like that. And you're part of our family. We're going to do a better job of, of making you feel that way. But these kids sometimes whose parents don't come, what Johan was thinking was, do we have any parents here that might be willing to adopt a kid for a Sunday and just let them sit with their family? And I said, well, I'll let the church know. Because maybe some of us would, could, could help love and train some kids who get picked up from church to go to church and and maybe that would help I know there's quite a few in the balcony that don't have anybody to sit with and you say well maybe they don't want to sit with us oh they will after they know how much you care and love for them so I, I don't know where you're at thank you you're awesome love you I don't know where you're at in this process but you know what we could all be parents to somebody really we got a great opportunity let's bow our heads for prayer With heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're here today and you've never trusted.